0: (laughs) Hey, I am so glad you are here. We are in week two of our new series that we're calling Radical. And last week I talked about the fact that most people don't really understand the word radical. We have kind of a different illustration of it. We think that it means extreme. We think it means uh, over the top or edgy or excessive or, or maybe even fringe. We say that person is a radical. But the word radical actually comes from a 14th century English word, radicalis, which means from the root. Everybody say, from the root. from the root. From the root. In the Latin, it's the word radix. And the word radix is the word where we get radish. And what is a radish? It's basically a big root, right? I explained that last week in botany, the radical leaves are the leaves that are the closest to the bottom. They're the closest to the roots. In math, you guys that are math people, the radical equation is always the root. It's the, the, the uh, cube root or the uh, um, uh, square root. In grammar, the radical word is the word without the prefixes or the suffixes. And so when I say that God is calling us to be radical believers, I'm saying that we need to be people who have deep spiritual roots, most people have no real depth in their lives. They have no roots. And so what happens is they become kind of like tumbleweeds. So they just blow wherever the wind sends them. They don't have any roots. They're not connected. And so they have no purpose. They're not rooted. Our theme verse for this morning is found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. It says this, keep your roots deep in him, build your lives on him, and become stronger in your faith as you were taught. He's saying, I want you to have deep spiritual roots. Now, last week, we talked about the idea of radical gratitude. And we talked about the verse that says, in everything, give thanks. If you missed that message, you can listen to it online at coastcommunity.org. I think it's an important part of the life of the believer, radical gratitude. Now, this morning, I want to talk about something I'm really excited to talk about with you today. And that is radical faith. Radical faith. What is faith? Well, faith is kind of like a diamond. It's multifaceted. There's all kinds of different looks to it. And if you really want to understand what it means to have faith, just look at Hebrews chapter 11 in the Bible. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter of the Bible. Just like 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we have God's hall of fame of faith. And these are people that you can model your life around if you want to be a person of faith. He talks about people like Joseph and Abraham and Moses and Noah, Gideon and Samson and all these great heroes of the faith. God's Hall of Fame list. So today, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 and talk about what it means to have radical faith. Everybody ready? All right, here we go. You know, when I was a young man, uh, I was always looking for a way to make a little extra money. I was always looking for kind of a side hustle. I was, I was going to school full-time. I was in college full-time. I was uh, working in the evenings, and uh, I had, you know, that job. And then I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time, so I was playing in a bar on the weekend, playing music. And then I was always, so I had some Saturday morning and Sunday morning, so I was always looking for a way to kind of make a little bit of extra money when, when you're a poor college student. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. And so I was looking for a way. And so I was telling a buddy of mine, he says, listen, we need some help this weekend. You can come help us. You know, you can make a little bit of money really, really fast. It's a, you make a, hundred, or a couple hundred dollars for 16 hours of work, which to me at that time was a lot of money. And, but then he said something I wasn't ready for. He says, but you may not be able to handle it what you talking about, Willis? I mean, what do you you mean by that, right? He says, well, here's the job. He says, we're going to be loading fertilizer. You're going to be taking 50-pound sacks of fertilizer that are coming down a conveyor belt really, really fast, and you're going to grab them and take them to a pallet, stack them on the pallet, and then you're going to go back and get another one, all right? Now, at that time, I was the same height I am now, a little over 6'3", and I I weighed about 165 pounds. I was like a toothpick with hair, all right, if you can kind of get that in your mind. But I looked at my buddy and said, I got it. I got this, man. I can do it. No problem. You sign me up. So I met him that week, that weekend, got signed in, and he took me to our spot, and they turned that conveyor belt on. (laughs) Those 50 pound sacks started coming fast and furious. And I'll be honest with you, I was struggling. Just a little bit, I was struggling, right? I was trying to grab those 50 pound sacks and negotiate them. I mean, they didn't have a handle on them or anything like that. And when you pick them up, they would kind of like flop you know, in half and stuff like that. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And so I started off by trying to, you know, carry them. And that was hard to do, you know. Then I started trying to throw them over my shoulder. Then I pushed them. I kicked them. I tried to (laughs) pray over them that they would go supernaturally, you know, to the pallet. And because, you know, I wasn't really walking with God at that time, that wasn't (laughs) successful. I got mad at the bags. I spoke ugly to the bags. I'm just telling you, I did everything that I could think of. And no matter what it was, it was hard to carry those bags. There were no handles. It was 50-pound bags of fertilizer coming fast and furiously. And they weren't stopping no matter how tired I got. Man, I want to tell you, at the end of the day, I went home and just crashed and when I went to get up the second day I couldn't move. You know what I'm talking about? And I was sore in places I didn't even know I had places. I was just it was wearing me down and the thought of going back and doing that, right? I thought man somebody was gonna have to put me in a bag. You know, I mean that's how tired I was and isn't that what life is like sometimes right? Sometimes you just wish you could find a handle to kind of help you carry the load that you're under. Sometimes you wish you had a handle for your pain. Sometimes you wish you had a, a handle for your marriage or a handle on your past or handle on your addiction, handle on your present, on your future. Man, you just feel like, you know what, I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting overloaded. I feel like the, the pallet is getting higher and higher and higher, and I don't quite know what to do. It feels like the, 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 the stack that's right there on my career, my school, uh, my marriage. Man, I, just, I can't find a handle for it. I can't find a grip. And the heavier it gets, the more it feels like I'm losing it. The more it feels like I'm just not getting anywhere. I want to tell you this morning, and I want you to pick this up by faith, because this is where we're going, this is what we're talking about, there is a handle that will get you through life. There's a handle that no matter how heavy it gets, that no matter how hard life gets, no matter what the struggle is, there is a handle that will hold when all other handles break. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Ha) <laughs> Uh, man this morning i want to talk about radical faith it's a handle that will help you through whatever you're going through no matter what your circumstances look like it's a handle that will get you through so let's talk about faith what is faith man it's a big word what does it mean have faith have faith in god what does that mean you know one time when i was younger before i got married before Vicky and I got married, so it's been quite a while ago, but I had a friend of mine who was getting married, and I said, how will you know when you find the one? And his answer to me was, you will know. <laughs> what? <laughs> he says, you will know. And I'm going, I don't know. I don't know. I think my knowers is broke. I don't even know if my knower is working. I, I don't know. Right? It was so vast, it was so massive trying to even understand what he was talking about. And sometimes when we think about faith, it's just like it. It just seems big, it seems overwhelming. I mean, what does it mean, have faith? I mean, almost every book in the Bible has some sort of detailed look of faith, about every person that God ever used stepped out in faith. All throughout the Bible, you'll find story after story after story of great heroes of the faith, of people who stepped out in the faith. And some of those heroes, matter of fact, all of those heroes were ordinary people that God used in an extraordinary way. They were just natural people that God brought a supernatural element to. And if God will do it for them, he'll do it for us. Man, it's so important because this is what helps us get a handle when life gets heavy, when life gets hard to imagine. Look at this verse with me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, Without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Man, that is so huge. You cannot please God without faith because anyone who comes to Him must believe. You must believe that he, talking about God, that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly, another scripture says, who diligently seek him. I cannot overemphasize the importance of faith in your life. Paul is writing, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He's saying, here's the big reveal. If you want to please God, it takes faith. God wants you to learn to trust Him. That's the reason that He put you here on this planet. That's the reason that He's got you here. He wants you to learn to love Him, and He wants you to walk in faith and trust Him. So living by faith is not some little side issue. You can't please God. You cannot please God except through faith. You can't do it by working hard, trying hard, not by being your best, not even by being perfect. And none of those ways work anyway. You know what I'm talking about? They don't work. The only way that you can bring pleasure to God is by loving Him and putting your trust in Him. So what does it mean to have radical faith? I'm going to show you seven things today that you need to know about faith and what it means to have radical faith. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Radical faith, the Bible says in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, that faith is believing even when I don't see it. Faith is believing. Radical faith is believing even when I don't see it. Now, what do I mean by that? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, 1, read these first two words with me. It says, now faith. Now stop right there for a moment. I love that. I love this idea of a now faith. When I think of faith, that's what I believe about our faith is that for faith to be real, it has to be a faith that is active right now. Everybody say, right now right now see some of you that are here today you need a right now faith you don't need faith next week you don't need faith next month you need faith right now you need faith right now for your marriage you need faith right now for your children you need faith right now for that struggle that financial struggle or that thing that you're going through in your circumstances you need a faith right now for the things that you're dealing with in life and then watch this he says now faith is confidence there's a confidence There's a knowing that you know. There's a trust, a supernatural trust that comes into you. There is is confidence in what we hope for. and, And I love this word, an assurance about what we do not see. An assurance in what we do not see. Faith is confidence and assurance in something we do not see. And you might say to me, Robert, I don't see it. How am I supposed to have confidence in something I can't see? That's not me. Man, seeing is believing. Man, I got to see it before I believe in it. I don't believe in nothing I can't see. Well, Have you ever heard of (laughs) Wi-Fi? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? You You know, you don't believe in anything you can't see, but you'll send a text, right? You'll send an email, because you're putting your trust in something you can't see, called Wi-Fi. So don't be that person that says, I don't believe in nothing I can't see. Because the truth is, when it comes to the Bible, there's a different perspective. And that perspective is that believing is seeing. Come on, that would have been a great place for an amen. Believing is seeing. Amen, Pastor. Amen, I myself. Even <laughs> believing is seeing. God says there's some things that you have to believe in order to see. In other words, faith has a future element to it, faith has this invisible element to it. That's faith. Faith is a response to God's promise and God's provision, it's trusting Him, it's knowing that He's faithful. Faith is saying, I believe what the Bible says, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are around me, no matter what I'm experiencing, no matter what is happening, I am choosing to believe that God will do what he said he will do. And that's what I believe. Faith is a handle. It's a handle that will let you get a grip on life. It's a handle that will get you through that moment when life seems difficult, when you're carrying the weight of the world, when you're looking around and going, man, I never thought that life could be this hard. I never thought, I feel like I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. Man, I don't feel like I can carry this. I never knew that it would be this much weight, that it would be this heavy. How do I handle it? Faith. Faith. Faith in God. Faith is believing when I don't see it. Look, I don't know if you've ever flown. How many of you've ever flown on an airplane? Let me just see your hands. Most of you, all right? If you've ever flown, you know that each flight, there's a flight attendant who comes out and gives the pre-flight check-in. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm one of those that as soon as they would start that pre-flight check-in, as soon as the steward would start talking and giving those instructions, I would zone out. I'd be looking for my headphones. You know, I'd be grabbing a book to read for the flight or something like that, grabbing my iPad out of my, my, my bag or that sort of thing. I just would kind of, you know, zone them out. But a few years ago, we were on a missions trip with a team from Coast, and Pam McKinney was sitting on the aisle across from me, and when the steward went into the pre-flight instructions, Pam leaned in. And then all of a sudden, she did something that I didn't see coming. She reached into the back pocket of the chair in front of us and pulled out the pre-flight instructions. (laughs) Come on, man. She was reading the pre-flight instructions along with them. Now, Pam is a really smart lady, And she, paying attention to this, got my attention, and so I leaned in, right? And the flight attendant is going through the spill, and all of a sudden the flight attendant says this, in the case of emergency, hmm, (laughs) does that mean that there's been an emergency? You know, does that mean that there could be an emergency? All right, all of a sudden she's got my attention and I'm thinking I need to pay attention to this because obviously they have learned some things that in case of an emergency, I might need to know. All right, right. so now she has my full attention. And she comes to the part where she says, in the case of an emergency, a a bag will fall out from the, the, the ceiling in front of you. It's going to be carrying oxygen. You'll take that bag, pull it towards you, put it over your head. And even though you don't see it, oxygen is going to be flowing through it, and it is okay to breathe. Wow, I can't see it, right? But you want me to put my trust in that. You want me to put my whole life... And trust my future in something I can't see. But you know what I did? I kept flying. You know why? Because I trusted. I know that in case of the emergency, there was something I could put my trust in that I could not see. See, often we think, I can't see it, so I'm not going to trust it. The truth is, every day you put your life into things that you can't really see. I sit in a chair, As a big man, I sit down in a chair, and when I look at this, I don't think, you know what? This was created by somebody. Somebody had a design for this chair, but I don't think, you know, I don't know them. I don't know their resume. I don't know their qualifications to build this chair. I don't even know if it will hold my weight. I just trust it, and I sit down in it. Come on, somebody. Faith is believing even when I don't see it. That's radical faith. Here's the second one, number two. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. Let me tell you something. You live long enough, you're going to carry some fertilizer that you don't understand. And you will. Uh, You just will. It'll happen. But you know what? I'm going to obey even when I don't understand it. Think about Noah. Noah right there in Hebrews chapter 11. Man, in the hall of fame of faith. You talk about somebody having to believe some things that he didn't understand Hebrews 11.7 says this, It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned warned him about something that had never happened before. Imagine that. Imagine if God were to speak to you and say, Hey, I want you to know, here's what's getting ready to happen. I am getting ready to flood the earth but I'm going to save your family. I need you to build a big boat, and I'm going to save your family. How, my, how many of you would believe that, right? I mean, it's highly unlikely. But See, that's what God did with Noah. And he said this to warn him about something that had never happened before. There had never been a flood before. Matter of fact, according to the Scripture, listen to this. I don't know if you know this or not, but it had never even rained before that point. The Bible says that it, there was like a, a condensation that came up from the ground, like a dew, in the morning that would keep the earth green and everything like that that's why because it never rained before that's why they were amazed when they saw the rainbow because it had never rained before they'd never see anything like that so god appears to noah noah's just going about his business and god speaks to noah and says "Noah, i want you to build an ark and noah rightfully said what's an ark and he says hey it's like this big boat Now, Noah lived in an area that right now we call modern-day Iraq. So he was in the desert. There was no water around him. And God tells him, I want you to build a big boat. Right. What's going to happen? Right? It's going to flood. What's a flood? Uh, It's it's a lot of rain. What's rain? I mean, would you believe that? Right? And think about his sons. Noah had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And and, and I don't mean, you know, think about them because their, their names are weird. I mean, think about what they were having to put up with. They were probably always having to defend their weirdo dad. Hey, Ham, what's your dad building there in the front yard? He's been working on that an awful long time. Uh, He's building a boat. Uh (laughs) Aha, okay, all right. It was probably embarrassing, but Noah did it anyway. He obeyed, even when he doesn't understand it. And I'm so glad because we're all here today because of that. Listen to me, and I want you to get this. Don't be surprised when someone or people around you don't understand your obedience. Don't be surprised. Why do you go to a small group every week? I don't understand that. Why do you, why do you want to be a part of a dream team? You don't even have your life all together. You know, why are you giving your finances to that? Man, don't let somebody else's questions keep you from doing what God has called you to do obedience is all about radical faith it's always involving taking risk you know some of us we only want to step out and do something when we have a guarantee god i'll do this if you guarantee it'll work out and god says no there's a risk involved here because you have to trust me you may not be able to see it you may not be able to understand it but you are trusting yourself into my care that no matter what happens in this situation i've got you it's an area of trust. That's radical faith. We say, oh God, I'll start this business. I'll do this new thing. You know, if, if, you know, I'll step out in faith. I'll, I'll start this ministry. I'll be involved in this dream. I'll go after it. If you guarantee that it'll succeed. God's not going to guarantee it. He wants you to live by faith. How many of you, when you were a kid growing up, your parents told you to do something? You didn't necessarily understand it, you know, but they told you to do it anyway? Anybody? The rest of you were raised by wolves. I'm just saying <laughs> it. it. was. Come on. Listen, you know, we all experienced that growing up. Your parents come along and they say, I want you to do this. And you say, why? And they say, because I say so. That's right. And we go, wait, well, that's not good enough. Because I say so? You know what they're saying to you? They're saying, I want you to trust me. I know better than you. Now, how many of you looking back, you actually had some things where your parents told you to do something and you didn't understand it, but you actually found out later that it really was better for you, that your parents were pretty wise? How many of you went through that? See, the question is, if our parents who were imperfect, who were sinful and made mistakes and things like that, if they could know the right thing that we didn't know to do, How much more a perfect God who knows what you need? If he says do it, right? sometimes we'll say, why, Lord? And he'll say, because I say so. And this is a test. He's saying, will you trust me? If you learn to do whatever God tells you to do, even when it seems crazy, you know what's going to happen? You are going to grow by radical faith, and you'll build a great life. On the other hand, if you don't do it, And if you say, God, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. And I'm just going to kind of wait this out. You know, I only do what I understand. You know what you're going to do? You're going to miss out on some of the great blessings that God has for your life. Your life will be stunted. Your life will be shorted. Your life will feel inferior and limited compared to what God really wants to do in your life. God wants to do far more in your life than you actually realize. But you got to get blessable. I don't even know if that's a word, but that's what you got to be you got to be blessable. How many of you do that? How do you do that? How does that happen? Right? By trusting in Him. By saying, God, I'm going to obey you even though I don't understand it. Even though I can't see all the ins and outs of it. I'm going to obey you and I'm going to trust you. Here's the next one. What does it mean to have radical faith? Number three, radical faith is persisting even when I don't feel like it. Persisting even when I don't feel like it, right? There's a belief in our culture that is so strong, and every one of us are influenced by it, whether we want to be influenced by it or not. We all know this belief. The belief is, if it feels good, do it, right? If it feels good, I should do it. If it doesn't feel good, I shouldn't do it. And whether I want to be influenced by it or not, I am. And when I allow myself to think that way, here's what happens you become manipulated by your moods. Instead of living by faith, you're living by your emotions. And God wants you to live a different life. God wants you to live a life where you step out in faith and not by your feelings. How many of you know your feelings can be wrong? I've told you this before, but maybe you weren't here when I said it, so I'm going to say it again. One of my pet peeves is when people just say, hey, you know what you need to do? Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And I always look at somebody that say that and go, are you crazy? The Bible says that our heart is deceptively wicked, and who can know it? I don't want to follow my heart. I don't want to follow my emotions. I don't want to follow my feelings. I want to follow a God who knows what's best for me. I'm going to put my trust in Him. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust Him. Right? The truth is, guys, I'll be honest with you. I don't always feel like doing the right thing. I don't know about you. I don't always feel like being nice to people. Like, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, even when I see you in Walmart, I don't necessarily want to be nice to you. I usually do, but that doesn't mean I always want to, right? I don't always feel like helping my wife with the dishes. I don't always feel like taking the trash out. I don't always feel like having a quiet time. I don't always feel like doing the right thing. But see, God can give you that kind of faith that rises above your feelings, all right? If you look at somebody who's successful, you will see the power of persisting even when you don't feel like it. And by doing the things that you don't feel like doing, guys, it's football season. Can I get a good amen? It's football season. And I am excited. And and I watched my two most hated teams last night both play mediocre football. And I was a happy camper. I loved every minute of it. But it's football season. But I was thinking about getting ready for football season. And I can guarantee you these elite athletes that are playing at a college or a pro level, they did not feel like running in the heat. How many of you know that's true? They didn't feel like doing it, but they know that if they're going to be their best, they've got to persist and do what they don't feel like doing. If you look at an organization that's selling goods the top salesmen are the ones who make the calls that nobody else feels like doing. Man, uh, the valedictorians of of schools, they're the ones who are studying, even though they, they feel more like going out and hanging out with their friends and doing something fun, but they persist and do the hard thing because they are thinking ahead to the preferred future for what God has for you. Guys, there's many of you that came to church today, and you worshiped God, and I honor you because you're going through something in your life. Maybe you're going through some pain. Maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe you're going through a loss. But you made the decision, I am going. I'm going to go to church this morning. I'm going to build my life on God. I'm going to worship Him this morning. And even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it. I just want you to know that I honor you this morning. And I want you to know that God honors you. That God honors that kind of faith. He will. He'll honor that kind of faith. You worship Him during the tough times, you worship Him during the trials. Man, anybody can worship God when the sun is shining and the birds are singing, right? And there's rainbows and unicorns and all that good stuff. Anybody can worship God during that time. But what about when the clouds are coming around your life? What about when the floodwaters are starting to get up around your ankles? Man, that's when you decide, I'm going to worship God even though I don't feel like it. God will honor that. God will honor your life. So radical faith. Radical faith is believing when I don't see it, obeying when I don't get it, persisting when I don't feel like it. And then here's number four, uh, the fourth factor or facet of radical faith is announcing it in order to experience it. Announcing it in order to experience it. In other words, you have to say it in order to sense it. You've got to state it in order to fill it. It's the power of your words. Man, it's speaking in faith. If you're in a marriage right now where you've kind of lost that loving feeling with your spouse, right, because you need to understand that love is not a feeling. Everybody understand? Nod with me. I get you, Pastor. Love is not a feeling. Amen? Amen. I'm going to try it again. Love is not a feeling. I don't know what to do here, Jeff. I'm going to do it one more time because I really want you to get this. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make. And so if you're not feeling that loving feeling in your marriage, just begin to tell your, your spouse in faith, I love you. I love you. I want you to know I love you. And you do that. You know what happens? The feelings follow the faith. Faith doesn't follow the feelings. Your feelings follow the faith. You want to love God more? You say, I don't think I love God enough. Have you ever told him? God, I love you. Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. If you start saying it, the feelings will come. It's the power of your words. You say it to, assi- to sense it. You announce it into it, experience it. That is radical faith. Now, one of the examples of this there in the Hall of Fame is found in the life of Joseph. And I like Joseph. I like, he's one of my favorite Bible characters. It says, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die at the very end of his life, he confidently spoke of God bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. He was so sure of it, that he commanded them to carry his bones with them when they left. You know the story, right? God... uh Uh, is is with Joseph all his life. He gives him these dreams. But all of a sudden, life goes differently than what he had imagined or what he thought was going to happen. He gets sold into slavery. He winds up in prison. Then he winds up there in in Egypt and things are just going bad for him. Eventually, though, because God was with him, he becomes number two in command under Pharaoh and he saves Egypt and he saves Israel and all these other countries. But after a while, Pharaoh dies and the Israelites become slaves and they were 400 years in slavery in Egypt. But Joseph, long before they returned to the promised land, 400 years before it, he announced it. He said, look, I know one day... God is going to take his people out of this situation, out of the troubles and out of the hurts, and all of the pain that they are in, and he's going to take them into the place of promise. So I want you to guarantee me that when you go back, even though I am dead, I want you to take my bones with you, and I want to be buried in Israel. What's he doing? He's stating it in advance. He's announcing it in order to experience it. In fact, guys, this is the way that God creates everything. God creates by the spoken word. God created the world by speaking it into existence. God said, let there be light, and bam, there was light. God said, let there be a sun and a moon, and bam, there was the sun and the moon. God spoke it into existence. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11.3. By faith, by radical faith, we see the world called into existence. God spoke it into existence by his word. What we see created by what we don't see. And then in Psalm 33, he says, For he spoke, and then it came to be. God spoke it into existence. And The Bible says that God gives us power in our words too. We announce it in order to experience it. The Bible makes a direct connection between your words, what you say, and the quality of the life that you experience. Your words matter. You guys hearing me? Your words matter. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the words that you speak. I hear people say this, stuff like this all the time. They say, well, man, this is, things are just not going well for me. This is, it just always is this way. Man, I can never catch a break. Man, it just seems like I can't, I can't do anything. I, I just run out of money all the time. I'm always going to struggle. I'm terrible in relationships. My family's so messed up. You know, well, this is just kind of the way it goes. This problem in my life, this thing is in my life, it's because my family was always like this. It's always going to be like this. Man, what are you doing? You are speaking those negative things into existence over your life. Death and life are in the power of your words. You have an enormous power in the words that you speak. So speak life. Speak to God's preferred future for your life. It's announcing it in order to experience it. I love this. Romans 4.17 in the Living Bible Translation says, God speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they were already past. Wow. He's announcing the the, 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 the future in the present as though it's past. That's faith. By the way, this is how we're saved, even by speaking in advance to our salvation, by confessing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's announcing in advance. The Bible says, for it is by our faith that we are put right with God. It's by our confession, that's that's the spoken word, that's the way we speak it. It's by our confession that we are saved. Which is, by the way, why I pray a prayer every week at the end of the service. And I said, pray along with me. What am I doing? I'm stimulating your faith. I'm getting you to speak out in faith. I'm getting you to speak to something that may not have even happened in your life and trust God for it and believe by faith that God is going to do it. When we're baptized, and about 10 people were baptized recently there, we took them to the Gulf, and it was just an amazing experience. But when we were baptized, we are publicly confessing our faith, right? Saying to the world, I am ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a believer. Faith is announcing it in order to experience it. Let me give you another facet of radical faith. Uh, Faith is giving when I don't have it. Giving and faith go hand in hand. It's trusting God and putting God first with your money, with your time, with your energies, with with your gifts, with your talents. And I'm going to live under the revelation that I am putting God first, that I'm living a God-first life. And even when I don't have it, I'm going to be able to always help somebody else. Even when I don't have it all together, I'm still going to serve God. Even though I don't have everything, you know, all carrying perfectly. You know, I'm still struggling to find some handles. Even when life is a struggle, I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep serving God. My life isn't perfect, but I'm going to keep serving. It's interesting that in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, the very first person that's mentioned is a guy by the name of Abel. You guys remember Cain and Abel? Who were they? They were the two sons of Adam and Eve. And what Abel did, man, caused him to be mentioned in the Hall of Fame of Faith, right there along with Moses and Abraham and all these other big wigs, right? Man, he he didn't do anything great. He he never accomplished anything. He didn't take any big major risk. You know what the Bible says that, that made Abraham great? He gave an offering in faith. Look at what the Bible says. It was by faith that God made Abraham's offering to God a better sacrifice than Cain's. Through his faith, God approved of his giving. You know what made uh, Abel's sacrifice better? It's because he gave God his first. He gave God his best. He trusted him. He knew that if he took took care of doing that, if he put God first, that God was going to take care of him. And that's giving by faith. Let me tell you, there's two ways that you can give. You can give by reason or you can give by revelation. To give by reason means that you reasonably think, what is it that I can afford to give? I sit down and figure a reasonable amount. This is what I think I can afford to give and I give by reason. Giving by reason doesn't take any faith at all. An atheist can give by reason. They can sit down and say, This is what I believe I can afford to give, and they can give it. I mean, that, that, that's just, that's just that, you know, that way. It doesn't take any faith. But giving by revelation, that means I ask God to reveal to me what He wants me to give. I stop and pray, and I say, God, how much do you want me to give through you? Right? That's a test of faith. I see, how much, God, do you want me to trust you for? this time. And this is giving when you don't have it. This is when it stretches your faith. God, how much do you want to give through me? Not a reasonable amount, but by revelation. In the Bible, there's a a story about some people in Greece. They were from a city called Macedonia, which is the, the place where Alexander the Great was from, Macedonia. And the Macedonian church was this extremely poor church. They were very impoverished during that time. And yet they heard that there was a great need financially in the church of Jerusalem. And so this church in Macedonia, even though they were very poor, they gave the sacrificial gift to help another church, even when they didn't have money themselves. And Paul says this about this. He says, because of their great joy, not because of their guilt, right? But because of their joy, they gave even more than they could afford. How do you do that? How do you give more than you can afford? Giving when you don't have it. I can tell you this, every year we do this thing called the first fruit offering. We usually do it around March or so of the year. And, 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 and when we do it, and we've only been doing it a few years, but we've seen God do amazing, And the testimonies of what happens when people put God first and they give sacrificially to God. But let me just tell you the testimony of mine in Vicky's life. Ever since we've been doing this, we've prayed and said, God, what do you want us to give? And then we just kind of wait. Fear and trembling, Right? And God will say, man, this is why we want you to give. Vicki and I will both, you know, we'll, we'll compare what we said, you know, what we feel like God wants us to give. And whichever one of us comes in higher, we go for the higher one. And we just trust that we're hearing from God. And every time, I'm going to tell you something, every single time we had given that offering, we did not have the money. And every single time, God came through and found a way to bless us as we trusted Him and gave to Him. And by the way, He blessed us every single time with more than what we gave. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel or anything like that. I'm just saying that trusting God and trusting God, listening to Him and doing what He says, being obedient to whatever He's saying to you, letting Him speak to you by revelation and following it and doing it, even if you don't understand it, and God blesses. God provides a way every single time Here's number six. Radical faith is thanking God even before I receive it. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because we covered it last week, and you can listen to that on the message on gratitude online. But the idea is this. Basically, if you thank God after he's done something for you, that's called gratitude. But if you thank God before he's done it for you, that's faith, right? It's not faith to thank God after he's done something right? That's gratitude, and we should be grateful. We talked about that last week. Gratitude should be one of the main things in our lives, radical gratitude. But faith says, God, I am thanking you ahead of time because I know that you're hearing me, and I know that you're going to move on my behalf. Even though I haven't seen it yet, I am trusting you and thanking you even before I receive it, and I trust you no matter what the answer is. That's radical faith. Amen? Amen? Here's the last one, number seven. We'll close with this one. Number seven, faith is trusting God even when I don't get it. Boy, that's hard. That's a hard one, right? Trusting God even when I don't get what I want, even though I don't get what I'm hoping for, even though I don't get what I'm praying for, even if things aren't perfect, even during those times when I'm going through a painful time in my life, even when I'm having to endure some things, I'm going to keep trusting God even when things don't go exactly the way I want it. And I'm not turning my back on God because I know that God has a, a better way. I know that God is going to help me through this loss. I know that God is going to help me through this pain. I know that God is going to help things make sense. And this is really what Hebrews 11 is all about. Hebrews 11, it lists all these people who went through so many things. Right there in the Hall of Fame, it says this. It's, the writer says, They were all commended for their faith. Listen, yet none of them received what had been promised because God had planned something better. Read that last sentence with me. God had planned something better. Man, it may not have turned out the way you wanted, but it turns out better. It turns out better. God has something better. God has a better plan than we have. Some people ask me sometimes, they say, you know, Robert, what is your go-to verse when it comes to faith, this is my main go-to verse when I'm struggling, when life is difficult, when it feels like sometimes the load is really heavy and I'm trying to find the handle. You know, Lord, what are you doing? Why is my load so heavy? Why am I dealing with this? Why, why does it just seem, you know, that everything is heavier than it used to be? Why do I feel so alone? Here's my go-to verse. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And you can build your life on this verse. It says we know that in all things, all things, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things, the hard things, the sad things, when the load seems too heavy, when we're having trouble finding that handle, here's the handle. It says that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, uh, notice it doesn't say that everything we experience is good, but that we can know that our God is good. And that somehow God's going to take those things and he's going to bring a good work in our lives. And so because of that, I'm trusting him. Even though I go, man, things around me are ugly right now. Things around me are tough. I am trusting you. I am believing in faith that whatever I'm experiencing right now in my life, you're going to meet me in that moment and you're going to bring a good work out of it. That even though I don't understand it, Lord, I can trust you because you've got me and you have this incredible love for me. He has this incredible love for you. You're his favorite. God loves you. He wants to do something amazing in your life. Don't let your circumstances turn you away from him. Don't let let the things that you're going through, the hardships that you're going through on this imperfect planet, turn you away from him. Bow your heads with me. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. God is right here in this moment. God is speaking to you in this moment. How many of you would say, Pastor Robert, that's a, that's a message that I needed this morning. I'm going through a difficult time in my life. Can I just see your hands? Hold them up real high. Keep them up for just a minute. Don't miss this. I believe God's getting ready to do something supernaturally. Anybody else, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Thank you. Quite a few more hands. All right, let's, let's pray. It's so right now. In fact, I'm going to ask all of those to raise their hand, everybody who, who is, is just in the room, I want every single person to pray this prayer with me. Matter of fact, uh, uh, for all the men that are in the room first, all the men that are in the room, I want you just to pray this. I want you to say this with me. I want you to say, Father, I want to be a man of faith. Come on, say it one more time. Say it like you mean it. Father, I want to be a man of faith. All the ladies in the room, I want you to say this with me. Uh, Father, I want to be a woman of faith. Everybody say this. I am tired of half-hearted living. I've decided that I want to trust you with radical gratitude and radical faith. I want to be rooted in your love. Help me to believe it when I don't see it. Help me to obey when I don't understand it. And God, when I feel like giving up, help me to persist even when I don't feel like it. Help me to announce it, to speak it in order to experience it. Lord, I want to practice faith and give when I don't have it. And I want to practice faith and thanking you before I receive it. Most of all, I want to trust you even when things don't happen the way I want. I want to learn to trust you in the tough times. And I want to believe that you have something better. Man, I just want to say prophetically while your heads are bowed, I believe there's a a supernatural release right now. There's some of you that God has been speaking something to you entrepreneurially. He's been, he's been kind, of, kind of speaking to you about going into business to do something. I, I believe there's one or two of you here that God has been kind of showing you an idea. And it's kind of scary. You're kind of frightened by it. You're a little nervous about it. You're thinking, I'm not sure if I could do it. But I believe that God is speaking to you. And I believe that God's going to open some doors for you and that he's nudging you. And I just pray that you would just listen to him, listen to his voice during this time. Listen to him and follow through. I believe that if you follow through and do what God is speaking to you to do, he's gonna bless you, he's gonna use you in a mighty way in that. Hey, listen, maybe you're here and you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, this is the morning, this is the time, the Bible says, now is the day of salvation, now is the day. And So I just wanna lead you in a prayer if that's you. I want you to just say this. You you don't have to say it out loud. God will hear you. You can say it in your heart. Say, Jesus Christ, I want to put my faith in you. I don't want to go through life without you. I don't understand it all as much as I want to, but I open my life to you. I trust you to build faith in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And I'm going to turn from my way of doing things and put my trust in you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Can we just give a hand? If you prayed that last prayer to give your life to Christ and you meant it, We've got a little book we'd love to put in your hands. It's called Now What? It's just a great next step thing. You can get a copy of this in the foyer at our welcome station as you go out through the doors and to the right. Remember, if you're a first-time guest, turn in your blue card with us. We've got a special gift we'd like to put in your hand as well. And then we... so So here's my prayer for you this week. My prayer is that you would live a life of radical faith, that you would just trust God, no matter what's going on in your life, let me tell you, you will never be disappointed by putting your trust in a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere. He knows what's going on in your life and He has the power to help you through it. You will never, never fail by trusting Him. It's just the power in it. Man, next week, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm going to be speaking about radical joy. Uh, I want to let you know that Coast student Ministry... Uh, For any of you teenagers that are here, there's going to be a cookout and volleyball time. It's going to be happening on the 31st. That's next Saturday from 3 to 6. Is is that correct? Is that the right information? And uh, that's going to be happening. I think there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for that. Don't forget, also in the foyer, just directly as you go out, there's a big table in the center. That's all of our small groups. We have an amazing group of small groups to choose from. There's a ladies' group, a men's group. Um, Steve and Shelley McAvoy are doing an amazing... I'm really excited about this group on dealing with fear and anxiety. If you're dealing with fear and anxiety in your life, man, there's a, a great group of people to help you through with that. Financial Peace University is going to be going on uh, uh, with Aaron Hurd and Mark Kabazinski leading that. I think that's going to be help some people get through some, some financial issues. If you're dealing with something, if one of the, the loads that you're carrying and you're not having... A uh, getting a handle on is, is financial things, man. They're going to help you with that. We have a group that we do that is so powerful called Freedom Groups. And I've asked Pam McKinney to come up just for a moment and just speak on that. I think this is the yellow mic. Remember, this is Pam McKinney that I talked about that was on the plane. So everybody lean in.
1: I always listen to those instructions. So I'll lead by example how to get off that plane. Uh, So freedom, how many have already gone through the freedom groups? Okay, so for the rest of you, these groups are for you, and we really want every person to go through this because we want you to walk in freedom, and I know that's one of my passions is to see people walking in the freedom of who God created you to be, doing what he created you to do, and getting rid of those things that the enemy has put on us to hold us back. So we have two groups that are happening Sheree King is gonna be leading one of those that will happen uh, in the morning. Uh, We don't know what day yet or time. It'll depend on who signs up for that and what your preferences are. The other one is at mine and Jeff's house. We will be facilitating that one. It's gonna be on Thursday nights from 6.30 to 8.30. Childcare is not provided for either one of these, but work something out if you have children because it is worth it to go through these groups. The ones that have been through it, was it life-changing? Absolutely. Yes. And if you want a life-changing group, and plus building friendships with other people, and we're going to have fun as we do it. Pam,
0: what would you say to somebody who says, you know, I think my life's going really well right now. Why do I need to go to a group like that?
1: Everybody needs to come, because there are things maybe that you haven't even thought of that are strongholds in your life that you didn't realize was a stronghold, and this Force will take you through those things and expose every area that the enemies tried to hide in your life that keeps you bound. And uh, I thought I was doing pretty good, but God really set me free in some areas that I didn't know I was—I didn't know I had those chains. And right? Boy, I'm ready to take those shackles off and dance now. So yeah. And I want to help you get free too, and so does Cherie. So please sign up for one of those groups if you haven't.
0: I want to add one more thing to that. I've been in pastoral ministry almost 30 years now and God really spoke in my life. We took our leaders through this before we launched them the last uh, small group time, and, and God did some things in my life when I t- went through it, you know, just as a participant, and then I went back through it as we were doing, uh, as we do our first season of small groups and launching them church-wide. And man, it was just as good, if not even better, the second time. So some of you who've even been through a, a group, you might want to go back through it again because God is still working. Some of the things, there was different things that God worked in my life the second time I went through it. So I think that's possible as well.
1: And it is- this year is going to be at Brownsville. The conference is uh, November 22nd and 23rd, and you do not want to miss that. It's the best part. It
0: really is. And, and yeah, I, I tell you, you're going to get free of things you didn't even know you were struggling with. It's just a powerful, powerful thing. Well, one of the things that I want to do is, if is uh, after the service, if you're new to Coast, I'd love to get a chance to meet you. I'll be in the foyer. I'd love to do that. Normally, it's one of my great pleasures to pray over you and, and bless you as you go out. But uh, Pam has this special prayer, and since she's up on stage, I'm going to ask her to pray over you this weekend before you leave.
1: Well, Father, we just thank you, and we agree with your word today that says that we are the head and not the tail, and that we are blessed coming in and blessed going out. We agree with your word, Lord God, that says of us that we can have the mind of Christ. We can know the will of God. We can have a peace that passes all understanding and joy that is unspeakable. The kind of joy that will be our strength to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. We agree with your word of us, Lord, that says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. No weapon formed against our mind, our body, our spirit, our children, our finances. No weapon will prosper, and every snare laid out before us by the enemy is broken by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we have already escaped. We agree with your word, Lord, that says of us that no matter what has happened in our lives, we will not walk around with a victim's mentality because your word declares that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, and that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And we agree with your word that says of us that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Let your word and your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.